0: arcades that used to be so much fun when you were a kid. For a handful of coins, you could test your strength, your skill at a pinball machine. Those arcades were a lot of things to a lot of kids. But there was one particular arcade that represented something special for me. It was here that began one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. That was the voice of reporter Carl Kolchak from the case known as Firefall. This was aired originally November 8th, 1974, directed by Don Wise and written by Bill S. Ballinger. And uh, yeah, we're back in the original Shack series now, the sixth episode. And I am your host, Mike White. Joining me as always is Mr. Chris Deschew.
1: Hi there. And you know what? I think we should make a distinction here. Let's call the original show Shack, and let's call the reboot Kolchak, because the, re- the reboot is not really Kolchak.
0: I think it was Cole Chick at one point in this
1: show. Carol? Or they had a really weird name. Carl was spelled with like a K on top of everything else. Like, have you, you ever seen that? Like, how his name spelled with a K? It's kind
0: of like Kurt Cobain. Yeah. yeah, Something like that.
1: I actually thought we were talking about the Crackle of Death. Oh. Because we do need to talk about that. Yeah, we should. Well, not like talk about it, but like talk about the fact that like this episode is one of. Of those two episodes.
0: Right. I think when we do the energy eater episode, we'll also include crackle of death because that is a mashup, so to speak of firefall and the energy eater. So I think that'll be good. And I'll go back. I'll rewatch this episode at the time. I'll obviously the energy eater will be fresh in my mind. And I mean, see how they kind of mixed and match those things and tried to make two episodes into one big episode. Now, I haven't checked out either of these mashup episodes that they've done. Very curious how that it'll cut together. But I guess I can see how some of these episodes are similar.
1: If you want my expert opinion without having seen that episode, how do they cut together? Not very well. Oh, okay. I would just probably kind of have that feeling that it's not going to work very well because
0: this episode on its own, not great. Not great, but I didn't mind it that much.
1: Right, no, it's it's not like, oh God, it's not like some of the other episodes. It's not like The Zombie, which was like an unintelligible episode that I had a hard time following because that was its own fault. And it didn't have the problems of the werewolf, i.e. a man covered in brown cotton balls. This episode's problems are the monster, as it were, is not very scary, It feels a little cheap. It's like, it's just the same guy.
0: Right. Well, and sometimes he's translucent, and other times he's fully, it seems like he's fully corporeal, but... And it's kind of funny because this episode reminds me of two of the newer, what were we calling them? Kolchik, Kulch- the, the 2005 Night Stalker. Uh, this reminds me a little bit of the five people you meet in hell. And it reminds me a lot of the episode we just did last month, three, because there is this whole idea of a group of people who have wronged someone and them being punished from beyond the grave. And that's really kind of what's at the heart of this. And I think us having seen that story so many times and so many other mediums, I think we're kind of used to it. But at the same time, it's that that story idea has been around forever. I mean, it's a it's a haunting story. And the only difference really is that it's not our main character, what the ghost looks like, what this apparition looks like, that it's actually another character who we've never met in our entire lives who has taken on this guy's form, this astral projection. So at first I thought that our bad guy, who's not really a bad guy, Ryder Bond, who's played by Fred Beer. I thought, oh yeah, he has this wish to kill people, and he doesn't even realize it. I was really kind of putting this whole like psychological spin on it, only to have this kind of dumb twist towards the end. Well, the oh
1: my god, the like the rules of this episode seem so wishy washy and like poorly defined. And they don't really explain how the character of Markov is able to astral project as a ghost doppelganger. They don't explain it at all. They're just like, oh, uh, uh, this could happen. The gypsy is like, this could happen. And it's like, uh, 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 okay, okay, uh, sure. Like, all right, fine. Like, we're essentially told this is the way it is, except that. And it's like, but you're not even giving us like an explanation.
0: So the 70s... In case you didn't know this, Chris, the 70s were rife with just goofy supernatural things people on these like self-help uh quests and there was just a lot of like kind of spiritual kind of things out there so i talked about this a little bit uh two episodes ago when i was talking about you know the the yogi who was over in the states and that kind of plays with where people were at this time things like scientology were really kind of taking off there were all these you know like Group therapy, all this kind of stuff going on. And it was also, I think people were just trying to like get their shit together after the sixties. So there was also a lot of like, you know, idea of alien abduction about astral projection, about telekinesis. So that's why you have shows like you've probably seen like Arthur C. Clarke's, what is it? The amazing world or whatever and in search of and then just. All of these supernatural type shows, but moreover, more of the movies, you know, Chariots of the Gods, these kind of things. So, this whole idea of like spontaneous human combustion, I mean, that's right in line with this kind of stuff. So, this is like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, we, there's this phenomenon, you know, this crazy phenomenon. So that they kind of are playing with that in this episode. I was just like, oh, well, That's kind of cool, you know, kind of being timely and talking about spontaneous human combustion, and there's this big mystery. But then again, that doesn't necessarily pay off, because again, you were talking about the rules of the episode. It doesn't necessarily make sense how this... Other character can just make people go up in a puff of smoke,
1: but he does. Yeah, multiple occasions because reasons.
0: Wasn't there a? I I think I can say this in almost every single episode that we've done. Wasn't there an X Files episode that was similar to this? Was it Trevor? Was maybe was the name of the episode? And there's like I think they talk about spontaneous human combustion in that. And there's a guy who can like. Walk through walls. I remember the episode with
1: Morgan Shepherd's son, where he can, like, control fire and, like, makes people burst into flames. All right. The guy who would go on to play Crowley in Supernatural. Right.
0: Mark Shepard?
1: Yeah. But I don't remember... I mean, I'm sure there was... Jesus, I mean, I mean, the X-Files take so much from this show, like, it wouldn't be surprising. I actually, this weekend, I watched Travelers, one of the X-Files episodes with Darren McGavin. It made me so happy that they were, that Chris Carter had, like, the wherewithal to be like, we need to get Darren McGavin in this show as the original, like, X-Files investigator because they essentially made it where they could get Col level narration over an episode of the X-Files. And I bet that they were so goddamn happy that they got that because it works so well. And it is a, just a fantastic you have Darren McGavin narrating an episode of the X-Files. Like as a fan of both of those shows and someone who like understands that X-Files wouldn't exist without Cole Shack, Like it it's just it's like a dream come true almost.
0: I was watching Raw Deal, the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. Uh, The other day, I forgot that Darren McGavin was in that and he doesn't even look like Darren McGavin. I don't know if uh, if he was wearing a piece in these later things that he was doing with the X-Files, but he just looked rough. Like it looked like he was almost completely bald. He didn't even look like him. And then he started to speak. And I was just like, I know that voice, but it's coming out of the wrong face. And then finally, I realized, oh, that's Darren McGavin.
1: I almost forgot he was in that film. That's like one of those Arnold films that's kind of like, I don't know, that film reminds me of a lot of Red Heat, where it's like kind of a lost Arnold film that people don't really know about. Like Raw Deal, Red Heat. Like people don't really like talk about those the way they talk about like Commando
0: or Predator or Total Recall. So The scene when he puts on the Rolling Stones and just starts going through that like, I don't know, junkyard, graveyard, whatever it is that he just is shooting up the place while I Can't Get No Satisfaction is playing really loud. That's the moment for me for that movie. And the rest of it is just like, okay, whatever. I mean, at least you got you got Robert Davi in there, you got a couple other things going on, but yeah, there's not a whole lot. So that and the
1: uh let everybody know Robert Davi's a level headed man.
0: And then you have the famous line of don't drink and bake. So always good. Should not drink and bake. <laughs> man.
1: Yeah, hey, I forgot Darren McGavin for like most people isn't known for Col Shack. He's known as the dad in A Christmas Story the old man and then for people my age he's known as the dad in Billy Madison right so like seeing him in the X-Files a lot of people my age who saw that wouldn't have thought anything of it but again like if you know where this show came from and like how much influence like we were talking about how this this episode has a analogous episode in the X-Files like it's just it makes it so much better and it's kind of just like there are some shows that refuse to buy into its roots but this but the X-Files bought into its roots with Kol Shack. And I love that Kol Shack exists because my favorite show of all time wouldn't exist without it. But Col Shack is such a good show on its own that it almost kind of doesn't matter.
0: So this is one of the first episodes where I can't go back to the script. I was not able to find a script for Firefall, surprisingly enough. So it isn't back until we get to the Spanish Moss murderers murders where I start to be able to find scripts again. And then it's kind of hit or miss as we go along. So I can't tell you what was missing from this episode, but it seems like a fairly solid as far as I don't watch this and I go, oh my God, there must've been 10 pages of stuff that was cut out right there. I mean, it's not like the last time we talked about one of these episodes, the werewolf where it was, you know, a 110 or 120 page script that was cut down to nothing. So cut down to 50 minutes. Uh, if if that much. So, yeah, there wasn't anything glaring for me. I was kind of sad to see just how short of time uh, David Doyle had on screen. He played the character Cardinal.
1: Lincoln's own David Doyle.
0: Yeah, David Doyle, for folks who may not know, Probably best known as playing Bosley on, <laughs> on uh, Charlie's Angels, uh, but he had the best voice. I love that guy's voice, and I really wish there had been more uh, banter back and forth between him and Carl Kolchak. That would have been fantastic.
1: And people my age will know David Doyle as Grandpa Lou Pickles from The Rugrats, which is where I recognized his voice from. It's kind of like Dick Van Patten two, three episodes ago, where it's like, and I'm here for a couple seconds. Thank you for my check. Time to leave. Right. It felt very similar. But I mean, mind you, like, this is 1974. So, you know, we're two years like before he becomes Charlie's Angels, David Doyle. Right now, he's just character actor David Doyle.
0: And then Fred Beer, he had been in a ton of stuff, but I really didn't recognize him. So I feel kind of bad about that. But I thought he did a pretty good job as Ryder Bond. I wish that I had known a little bit more about him. His character just seems to be – and I guess that's a way to keep him enigmatic. So we don't necessarily know if he's committing these murders or not. But we never really get to know the guy. Um, Even when he gets desperate at one point, he realizes that – this stuff seems to happen more when he's sleeping and he's being visited by the, uh, the apparition and yeah. Um, so he's, he's really desperate. He ends up, uh, taking refuge in a church, the one place where the apparition can't get him. So we had a little bit of that kind of Christian mythology on top of it. And you would think like maybe he and Carl would have a conversation and like kind of, you know, cement a relationship or something, but, No, not really. He's just kind of he's just there to serve a purpose. And
1: man, we get another uh, instance of Carl Kolshak behaving badly. He goes, digs up a body and burns it, dragging this body through the streets of Chicago in his seersucker suit and pork pie hat.
0: That totally reminded me of Supernatural. That is totally something they would do. They would they would pour salt in its mouth and then burn the body.
1: Yeah, it's true. Make a salt pentagram, actually, and then burn the body.
0: So that's yeah. what the kids do for kicks these days.
1: Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's, I mean, that that's what it felt like for me. It felt very, like, supernatural-esque and, like, also super ridiculous considering how he's just dragging a dead body through the streets of Chicago. <laughs>
0: This is the last time we're going to see Carol Ann Susie on this show. Did you realize that? I didn't. And now I'm saddened. Yeah. By that. I mean, I'm finally used to her character. I actually like the character now. I thought that her rapport with uh, Ron and, and Carl and Vincenzo was very good in this episode. And yeah, now, now she's gone. So kind of stinks.
1: Well, and again, this comes back to something we talked about on our three episode. If it, this show were being made now, which when they made the Night stalker Cold Chick reboot, they didn't really address, but... These shows now live and die by the relationships between characters, and Cole Shack, the Night Stalker, never really had that. He was kind of a lone wolf. These people were, like, in his orbit, but they weren't complimentary to him. I mean, Jack Greenwich and Carol Ann Soucy still really haven't been given much to do in their respective roles. They are kind of picked on by Colshack and that's it. I mean, even Vincenzo is given a much smaller role on the show now that they've moved away from the two TV movies. I mean, he had a really big role in those TV movies and he doesn't anymore in the actual show, which is a bummer because his repertoire with Colshack was some of the best things of the show. And so now we're left with Kolshak having interactions and relationships with characters that we know aren't coming back, like Maria, the gypsy woman.
0: Yeah, where it seemed like there was some good chemistry going on. And I was, again, like you probably were, hoping that she would come back. I mean, in that she has a backstory with him and starts to talk about how he didn't necessarily put the finger on her brother, but had had this line in a story. He excised it allegedly and then it got put back in and her brother got busted. It's just like, okay. Yeah. This is kind of cool to have this backstory. I have to say, um, at first when I saw her, I thought she was, uh, Rhoda, Valerie, uh, Harper, but this Madeline Rue is, uh, definitely not, uh, Valerie Harper. But, um, yeah, just for some reason, I, I was reminded of, um, uh, when Valerie Harper played a prostitute on Columbo and just something about the makeup and stuff. But uh, then I realized that, no, Madeline Rue was the uh, the crew member who really fell for Khan in uh, Star Trek: Space Seed episode.
1: She's the one that goes with Khan, I believe, at the end of the episode, and the reason he kills Kirk, tries to kill Kirk in Wrath of Khan.
0: Yeah, she died on Seti Alpha 6. So. Yeah, and
1: that's where those nasty earbugs came in
0: yeah Oof. killed so Oof. many of his crew and not all at once and not <laughs> <laughs> sorry I just saw Wrath of Khan again the other day
1: well Wrath of Khan is a fantastic movie so probably my favorite of the original Star Trek films
0: I think my favorite of all of them
1: Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, they're all pretty great. I mean, the one with the
0: whales, come on, you can't beat that. No, no, I'm saying it's my favorite of all the Star Trek films, whether it's reboot, next gen, any of that kind of stuff.
1: Uh, J.J. Abrams, 2009 Star Trek, sir, is the best, obviously. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'll see myself. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking J.J. Abrams, get out of here. You member Barry's monster. God.
0: Well, thank God he's directing that new Star Star Wars movie. Come back and save us, J.J.
1: Save us from ourselves. How dare we have a director with an actual vision that isn't what Kathleen Kennedy wants. Oh, my. Fucking, she's not coming on my podcast, and she ain't coming on this podcast anytime soon.
0: And next month on The Projection Booth, we talk to Kathleen Kennedy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. Back to the episode, though. It it is a bummer but I mean again you have to understand where this TV show was being made the year the year and the era it was being made in like television shows with recurring characters wasn't as big of a deal as it is now you had, like, one or two, depend, depending on the show, some show had, like, a an ensemble cast, but some shows was, like, two or three people, and that's it. And then you have this show that's literally Shack. And, like, yeah, Jack Greenwich and Caroline Susie will show up, but they really don't do anything. Like, we need to impress upon, like, the listening audience. Like, they're not given a whole lot to do, which is a real bummer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, they really, they're just kind of hanging around. And there's not even a whole lot of good Vincenzo either, so it's... It's kind of They're kind of wasted And you notice too I haven't seen Gordy the ghoul in a couple of episodes either So I think he might have Taken uh, taken a nosedive as well
1: Fiedler went bye bye Which is a bummer
0: Yeah, I mean when we talked to uh, To Cy Shermack, He was like, oh yeah, I got rid of some characters So I'm thinking Gordy and, and Carol uh, And Monique Marmelstein are two of those characters Great, good job. Yeah, I'm not real happy about that. Especially Gordy, I really like that character.
1: Well, it's just, there's no fallback. Like, again, Vincenzo's not, like, we talk about how Vincenzo in the new reboot show isn't given much to do. In these current episodes of the show, he's, I mean, he's also sidelined. I mean, that's the, the point of his character, but these episodes feel so... They're short, but they're not. And so... They are making sure that it's only exciting stuff and not just, you know, Colshack talking to Vincenzo.
0: It would almost be nice if Vincenzo could be kind of his Wilson. Like he would be the guy that he speaks to and kind of works out the case with. But, I mean, Carl, to your point earlier, he's a lone wolf. He doesn't need anybody else. And so, for better or for worse, you know, that it's good that he doesn't necessarily need jane and perry like from the new Colchak, but it's also bad that he never really needs ron or monique or anybody else in this so yeah i mean at least he needed gordy a little but gordy never went out in the field with them
1: right and that's my issue with this is i wish that they had gone out in the field with him
0: Well, yeah, we mentioned several episodes ago how great it would have been for Vincenzo and him to go out and just kick some ass.
1: Yeah, it really would have been awesome if they had.
0: So we got to talk about the twist when it comes to this, because I have to say this was the most bizarre twist for me. So the reason why our guy is being haunted, basically, and having all these people murdered— it's like I said, it's very similar to three and to the five people you meet in hell. In the five people you meet in hell, it was all the people that were involved with this court case to put our bad guy away. And this is kind of the same thing. It's people who have crossed this gangster. And then we find out that, and now correct me if I'm wrong, because I might be a little fuzzy on the details. The gangster was being buried. And our our poor um Ryder Bond character accidentally cut off the funeral procession. Is that am I remembering this right? And then that's why he gets haunted.
1: That's sure what it sounds oh, like. Okay. All right. And also, Ryder Bond is a musician, and that was right. an aspiring musician. Right. Oh, wow. Right. Hokey. Hokey, hokey, hokey.
0: Do the hokey, pokey. Super hokey. <laughs> Super hokey. Yeah. Not great. No, no, not great. But so that's why I'm not like, this is a great episode, but I'm also at the same time, I'm not like, this is utter shit. So I...
1: It's unfortunate that this episode is the last episode with Monique Marmelstein. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, the one person we were talking before, she, the one person who's that did go out in the field with Carl.
1: Yep. And now she's gone forever.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, Chris, what's going on over at the Culture Cast?
1: Oh, just wrapping up the end of the year, new movies, watching some Star Wars: The Last Jedi. You know, the usual, the usual stuff over at the the Culture Cast. If you want to listen to me jabber with my co-host Eric about movies, head on over to Culture cultureshock.com slash culture cast we're also on itunes and stitcher radio and all podcast apps here and in between and if you want to check me out on twitter i'm at culture stash i think the real question is the bbc and entertainment weekly must know something i don't because they everyone wants to know what's going on with the projection booth podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah everybody wants to know Well, like you, we're wrapping up the end of the year um with John Woo's A Better Tomorrow series. Um, where we'll be talking about better tomorrow Better Tomorrow 2, Better Tomorrow 3, Bullet in the Head, Once a Thief, which is not John Woo's Once a Thief, but the original Once a Thief. And what, Story of a Discharged Prisoner? And then we're talking about the two remakes slash reboots of a Better Tomorrow, which have come out over the last few years. So it's we're we're ending on a high note. It's gonna be freaking epic.
1: It sounds like it. it sounds yeah. like you're just got more exciting stuff than uh, one man should have on his own.
0: Uh definitely. So And, yeah, you can find out more about that over at www.projection-booth.com. And, uh, yeah, follow me if you want over on uh, Twitter at ProBoothkus. So we'll have those.
1: The ProBoothkus.
0: Yes. No, the. It's just ProBoothkus. ProBoothkus. So we'll have links to all that kind of stuff over at the website com, where you can find out more about today's episode or, sorry, this month's episode. And, yeah, I also want to give a shout-out to John Walker for doing our theme song. always appreciate that. And, of course, to all the people that have gone out and rated and reviewed the show, uh, you know, uh, if we get up in that, uh, what was it, the top 50 Still waiting to do that live show. I don't think that's happening anytime soon.
1: Well, folks, get on it, and it'll happen. Yeah. There is no deadline on
0: it. No, no. We're not like Carl. We're not under a deadline. Well, at least I won't have to worry about the doppelganger any longer. He's back in his own body and will probably be cremated, which is really rather sweet poetic justice for Frankie Markov. My only worry now is to find Tony Vincenzo to try to raise bail. They've got me hooked on some stupid arson charge. But it's Tony's night to play cars, and I don't know where he is. So I think I'll just spend a nice good night's sleep in the Slammer.